Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. I'm excited. We are talking about the great exchange uh, this morning, and I love this topic. I love uh, what Jesus did for us, of course. And how many know we live in a world where we're always exchanging something for something else? You know, whatever we do, we're exchanging. If you go to work, you're exchanging it for a paycheck, right? If you, you know, when you, whatever you eat, you're exchanging it for your health or well-being or not. Um, but, you know, we exchange our time. We exchange, you know, our finances. We we exchange change all kinds of things. So, you know, whatever we say, whatever we do, what, how we spend our time, we are, we are exchanging it for something. You know, uh, last year I built a house, and while I was building the house, I was purchasing some things for it. And if you came in my office during that time, you would have had trouble getting in for all the stuff that was in there. And, uh, but afterwards, when I got all the, all the decorations and stuff into the house, there was a few things that didn't work out. You know, that's always going to happen, right? You think you're going to use something, and then you find out, no, this didn't work out. So what do you do? You return it. So you take it, and you go to the store, and you get your money back and get something else or, or just return it. And, you know, but if you show up at, at, at the store to return something, and you ask for your money back, but you don't give them what you purchased back to them, I mean, no, they're not going to give you anything back, right? You have to make an exchange. You have to give it. If you go to work or you don't go to work, but you show up for your paycheck, how many know you're probably not going to get your paycheck because it's an exchange for something. So the great exchange of what we're talking about today is what God took and gives to what he took from us and what he gives back to us. And so we're going to talk about that today because this is so important. We've got to understand how we can operate in God's exchange and everything that he's done because God has taken everything for us. You know, everything, he's, he's given us everything. He's taken all of our stuff and he's given us all of his stuff. And I love this because we, he makes that big exchange. Now, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he made the exchange for our sin. What did he give us? His righteousness, right? So he took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. I think that's a pretty good deal, you know, because he got all the garbage, all the stuff from us, and we got his righteousness. In other words, we were made right with God because of what he did. That was what he gave to us. But not only that, he did so much more than that. In fact, we were made for something so much better, so much greater than what we could ever imagine. And see, when we walk around and don't recognize that God has a, a purpose, he has a plan on our lives, he wants to do something in us, he wants to use us for the kingdom of God, he wants to fill us with every good and perfect gift, he wants us to walk around in, in the glory of God and the power of God and the anointing of God. These are the things God wants for us. We were made for something great, yet so often, we, you know, people will walk around limited, they will walk around not knowing who they are, not knowing what they have, not knowing that they can exchange some of the things they're dragging around with them for the things that God has for them. So God wants us to recognize and know who we are. 
and what he has done. And we need to be able to make that exchange. See, a lot of times we want the goods, but we don't want to give back what we're supposed to give in exchange for it. Right? We want to hang on to it. And so we need to know that we were made for something great. We were made for something so much better than what so often people settle for. I want you to turn in your Bible, if you will, to the book of Isaiah 53. It's probably the greatest uh, chapter in the Bible on the great exchange, and it brings out great details in here for you and I today. But in my travels, oftentimes I'll go into new areas, into new settings, and denominational leaders and networks that I'm speaking at, and at times they don't know who I am. So when I come in, I usually show them our family. That's Kathy and I will have a picture of them with all the children, our, our six married kids, and then all the grandkids. Come on, guys. Okay, when you add that up, there's 30 of us just in our immediate family. So I just tell them that, and then usually I get, wow, look at all those grandkids. Then I hear, you're too young to have all those grandkids, you know. So that's why I show the picture, okay. But I say all that to say our. And so when we talk about our family, how many know it's never just my, it's, it's our family. When we use the word we, how many know we is not just me, but how many know we is us? And so I'm saying that because I'm going to emphasize that as we go through the book of Isaiah 53. It says, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. And there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract, notice, us to him. I'm in Isaiah 53, verse number three. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. Now listen to the rest of the verse. We turned, everybody say it, come on, our backs on him and look the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced, come on, for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of uh, us all. So how many are seeing the point that I'm talking about? We're seeing the word we. We're seeing the word our. We're seeing the word us. It's never in the singular here. It's always in this chapter speaking in the plural. And it said, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth, uh, did not open his mouth, unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he had died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of, come on, my people, he had done no wrong, and, yet, and, and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have, come on, many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. 
when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted what? Come on. Righteous, for he will bear all their sins, and I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. If you'll notice all the way through, this great substitutionary chapter speaks about the rejection of the Christ, the despising of the Christ. Uh, uh, earlier in Isaiah 52, 17, it speaks about that his face was disfigured beyond recognition. They couldn't even recognize that he was a hardly a man out there. But all the way through, he did it to become my substitute for my sin, for my lawlessness, for my rebellion, for my rejection, for my hate for my for, for my flesh. Can you all say amen? It was all put on the Son of God at the cross, and he became the substitute for my sin. There was a great exchange 2,000 years ago, but it wasn't just for your sin. It was so that you could have a right standing with God and come boldly to the throne of grace. It wasn't just for your righteousness. It was so that you could have a new authority with a new anointing and become the king and priestly release inside of your life. It wasn't just for that. It was he was made poor that you could be made rich, that you could have a good journey in life, that you could have life and have it more abundantly. It wasn't just that he stayed in the grave. He rose from the dead and exchanged it all for you now, for a new identity, for a new priesthood, for a new kingly anointing, for the new name that he's given that's above every other name. Amen. You know, we, Jesus didn't just die for our sin. He took our sin. He took your sin. Come on. If kid. somebody takes something for from you, do you still have it? No. He took it. And what did he give you? He gave you his yeah. righteousness. Yeah. Wow. He took your sin nature that. and he gave you his nature. He gave you his nature. You no longer have a sin nature. You have a godly nature, a holy nature, a righteous nature. So he gave you that. And see, what part of the problem is we, when the exchange took place, it took place when we were born again at the cross. But you know what? We, we often walk away and still continue on carrying the Come things on. that he took. And that's like going to the store, exchanging, going to return something, but then taking it back. It's like you go and rebuy it again. You, you sold, you gave it back. You got your money back, but then you go in the store and you take it and pay for it again and take it with you. And so we can do that, but that's not what his purpose is. His purpose, he says that we have the very mind of Jesus Christ. In fact, it says in 1 John 4, 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. That's right. As he is. So are we in this world. We have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to think his thoughts and to know what he says and to know what he does and wants to do in us. In fact, um, Galatians 2.20 says, I, I, that means you too. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Now, I want to compare this. It's like a marriage. You know, God cut a covenant with us, a blood covenant, because Jesus died and shed his blood 
for us to cut that covenant so that we would be one with God. And we are the bride of Christ. We are his bride. We're not going to be his bride. We are his bride now. He, and, and, you know, it kind of it's kind of like this. I'm going to just use an analogy. It's far better than this. But uh, just say there was somebody that was really, really good looking. I won't say whether they were male or female because it depends on you, right? Who, what you are. That's everybody somebody, out there. So just say, say um, somebody that's absolutely great looking as one of the wealthiest people in the world, amazing character, full of love and just great, you know, selfless and, and just amazing character. And then he comes or she comes, depending on you, um, and finds you in the gutter. Filthy, dirty, not good looking, doesn't have anything to, to your name nothing to offer. You're not together in any way. You're not even nice. You know, you don't have it together. You're, you're a mess. But that person comes to you, goes to you in the gutter, and says, I'm going to marry you. Boaz and and everything that I have is yours. And I'm going to take everything you have. I'm going to take it all. And I'm going to be committed to you. And I'm going to bestow my love on you. I'm going to bestow all that I have and all that I am on you. How would you feel? Great. I like that. That's the <laughs> great, great exchange. Yeah. But, that, but that's what it is. And that's what he did, only far better than all of that. Far greater than that. Come on. We really don't have anything to offer him other than our hearts. We don't have anything that we can give to him that he needs other than our hearts, that he wants. Right. He desires our heart. And so, you know, when Jesus, when, you know, when you go to a wedding, there's an exchange that goes on at a wedding. You exchange vows. Mm -hmm. You know, the wife will take on the name of the husband usually. Nowadays, that doesn't always happen, but that was normally the rule. You exchange rings, Culture. you know. And, and when you marry somebody, what they have now becomes yours. That's right. Right? If they have great wealth, you're going to be wealthy. If they have great debt, guess what? You you're going to take on it's that debt. It's now going to be yours. You know, they may have wonderful attributes to their character, or they may have some nasty ones. But once you marry them, how many know? You got it. You got the whole package, right? You can't just marry part of a person. You, when you marry them, you marry them. <laughs> and who they are, what they have is now yours. And that's who you're in covenant with. And you make a vow to that person. And see, when we come in covenant with God, because he cut a covenant for us, he gave us the ability to be his bride, to be one with him, to love us and give us all that he has and all that he is. He's, he's basically given it to us already. It's already ours. And we just have to take it. You know, he's given us the name of Jesus, a name above every name. I mean, that name is the final on, authority. It's the stamp of God endorsing. He, and, and he gives us his name. And we have that name. It's ours to use because we're in covenant with him. 
And all that he did, all that he did on the cross, and we'll get into a little more in a few minutes, but all that he did, and we have the right, you know, the veil was torn. We talked about that on Good Friday, how the veil was torn apart. And now we have access to go to the very throne room of God because we are in covenant with him. We have a right to approach him, to find help and to find grace in our time of need. He's there for you. He's always there for you. And we can walk around, you know, like, you know, sometimes I'll purchase something. Once in a while, this will happen where I'll purchase something. And maybe it didn't work out or it's not quite what I thought it was. And sometimes, you know, because of my time, I'm busy. You know, I think, oh, you know what, I'll just keep it. I'm not going to bother taking it back. But how many know when you do that, you're kind of, you're accumulating something you don't really need or want. Right? And, but if I take it, I have to go somewhere to give it back. Right? I can't just sit in my house and say, come here and come and get this and take it back, right? It's not going to happen that way. I have to get up and go. But the provision, the, ca- the return counter is there. The ability to exchange it exists. It's a matter of me going to it and returning and exchanging what it is I have. If I don't go to that return counter, I'm still stuck with what I got, right? I still, I'm still going to keep it. But the availability of the return is there. When I, when I buy things, I always make sure I can return it. I don't like going to a store that won't take returns, just in case it doesn't work out. And, and so, you know, you, and you want to, obviously, they have conditions on their return policies, but you need to know what that is, right? But God doesn't, you know, God just says, I'll take what you got, because I already took it, but I'm going to give you what I've got. And Des and Kim are going to illustrate this right now with a skit. Wow, Kim, that bag looks like it weighs a ton. It sure does, and I can't wait to exchange everything that's in it. You're going to exchange all of it? I sure am. My mama didn't raise no fool. (laughs) This is a deal of a lifetime. Well, I hope you're right. I know I'm right. Where else can you exchange this much baggage? well over 90 days without a receipt except that the the great exchange oh my gosh it all makes sense now (sighs) what are you going to exchange it for oh i don't care i'll take whatever i can get (sighs) anything's better than all this shame anything's better than all this guilt hopelessness, anxious thoughts, and, oh, anger that just seems to rise up at the oddest times and, and choke me. Plus, plus I got my workout outfit in here <laughs> and a whole lot of other things I need to exchange. Now, what are you exchanging your workout outfit for? Because every time I wear it, Nothing ever seems to work out. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. So what are you exchanging? Well, a lot of things in here were put on me as a kid. I don't know why they're still there. I can't wait to get rid of them. Like this dunce cap. Ooh, ouch. I'm embarrassed to say everything else I put it on myself. 
Oh, Nadine, don't be embarrassed. I heard that at the Great Exchange, there is no judgment. There's no condemnation for past purchases. Everything, everything is acceptable and everything's exchangeable. Well, I hope you're right. I know I'm right. Let's go. that bag's for me. And that box must be yours. Wow, was that touching to you? I mean, we come that close, and sometimes we want to pick it back up again. The scripture writer in the book of Ezekiel says, Ezekiel 36, 26, one of my favorite chapters. I'm not going to get into the whole restoration aspect of Israel, but it says, and I will give you, this is God speaking, a new heart. And then he says, with new and right desires, and I will put, this is God, I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out, see this is God exchanging, I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart and I will put my spirit in you so you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. And then the writer in Hebrews, he goes on quoting from Jeremiah and I'll read from Jeremiah, says, the day will come, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah, this covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is it. Listen to there, Jeremiah. He says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their families, saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will already know me, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness and will never again remember their sins. So how many know when God made this here covenant, and it was an irrevocable covenant, covenant on his part but the amazing thing and I didn't understand this here 41 years ago when I came to Christ the amazing thing was God put things inside me that it took me years and years to find out what they were do you hear what I just said a matter of fact the, the, the night that I'll never forget the night that I came to Christ 
and I had a lot of vices, a lot of things that were going on in my life at that time. But I'll never forget when God came into my life, I never heard a message on covenant, never heard a message on this new creation, never heard all about that. All I heard is that except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. And I got born again that night. But I remember now there was new desires inside me There was because there was a new heart inside me. And I remember coming home and again, never hearing a message and getting rid of all the paraphernalia, getting rid of all the vices, getting rid of all that stuff. And I wanted to do it. It wasn't like I had to, it was like I wanted to do it. And I remember looking at people from a different way. Some people that I just didn't like, all of a sudden I cared for them. Because God's came in the inside and he changes us. So where does that flesh out for you and I today? What does this look like? We have a new nature now. We have a new commandment. We have a new love. We have new desires. We have a new heart. What does that look like to you and I today? Well, everybody go to the book of Colossians, chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse number 1, if they could put it up there. As a matter of fact, I want you even to stand up, everybody, for a moment, because I want you to read this here along with me today. It is some of the most amazing verses in the entire Bible. Everybody say it. Come on. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So, so how many know our aim now, the sights is now our focus, our attention, the direction now is on him. Think about, come on, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. He warns us about that. For you died to this life and your Real life is hidden with Christ in God, the great exchange. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, come on, you will share in all his glory. Isn't that going to be an incredible day? So what does he say in light of that? Come on now. So put to death what? The sinful, earthly things what? Lurking within you. How many got some uglies in you, some attitudes? Come on now. How many got a few areas you need correction in? Raise your hand. Wave, wave it at me right now. Okay, just ask your spouse, is there anything in me that needs a little great? Uh, and you say, well, you're, you're Mr. Perfect. Uh, uh, come on, guys. So here's the key. Hang on. Put to death the things what? Lurking within you. So how many know there's things there? How many know don't pray to God to do it? How many know you got to do it? Don't ask somebody to agree with you in prayer. No, you do it. Come on. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. What else? impurity, the mental stuff. What else? Lust. And what else? Evil desires. So let me ask you a question. Are they still there? Are some of those desires still there? Yes, they are there. But until you change the way you think, that's why it says to think, you're never going to change the way you behave. If you think you're lowly, you think you're worthless, you think you're uh, a failure, you think you're a loser, you're going to act that way. But that's why the Bible puts in there, you're more than a conqueror in all these things. That's why the Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a recent of origin, a new species of being that never before existed. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. So he says, don't be, come on, greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Look at verse number six. Keep going right down. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Look at seven over here. It says, you used to do these things when you were, life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of what? Amen. Amen. Look at somebody and say, do it now. 
Okay, what else are we going to get rid of? Come on. Rage. What else? Malicious behavior. What else? Slander. What else? Dirty language. So how many know it's there, but how many know you got the ability now through God's grace to get rid of this here stuff? To break it off your life. Look what it says in 10. It says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. And what else? And all its wicked deeds. Look at 10. I love these here. Put on your new nature. And what? Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Here's the key, guys. You got a certain pattern, a certain way of thinking that you've been used to. That you've been conditioned to think. You can be seated now. That you've been conditioned a certain way. You've thought a way. You've reacted a way. It's all part of the old man. Keep that verse up if you can. It's all part of the old man. But how many know it's not God's responsibility to change your thinking? It's your responsibility. And I've learned that the two of the most important verses in the whole Bible to me is be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your minds. Why? Why? Okay, you'll never change a behavior till you change the way you think. And if you're conditioned and locked into the anger, the rage, the reaction, the, the, the evil speaking, the negative mindsets, the negative behaviors, and it's all part of the old, then you'll never change it until you change the way you think. Look what it says. In this new life, come on, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or what? A Gentile. What else? Circumcised or barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And what has happened? He lives in all of us. Look at 12. I love this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with what? Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and what else? Patience. Oh, look at this. A couple more. Make allowances for what? Each other's faults. And anyone who offends you. You know what that tells me over there? That people in our lives are going to have faults. You know what else it tells me in there? People in our lives are going to offend. You know what that also tells me? That I have faults that I need people to make allowances for. It also tells me I'm going to do things, not willfully, hopefully, but I'm going to do things that's going to offend people. And so not only do I need to give forgiveness to them for the things that offend me, but I need the forgiveness from others to offend that I offend. Remember the Lord forgave you. Come on, so you must forgive others. Couple more and then I'm done. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And the last one, look at this here in, in verse number 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Great exchange. You know, Galatians 3, 14 and 15 says this. Christ has, past tense, redeemed, set us free, delivered us from the curse of the law. How many know the law had a curse with it? Come on. But then it says, having become a curse for us. So he became the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. So in other words, how many know there was a blessings and cursing that came with the law? 
And Jesus, he took the curse on himself, and he set us free from the curse of the law. And he says that the blessings of Abraham, because we are in Christ Jesus, are now ours. And so here's what the blessings are according to Deuteronomy 28, verse 3. It says, your towns and your fields will be blessed. Come on. So how many know we're going to be blessed, right? Our cities, our towns, our basically whatever we have authority and jurisdiction over will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Basically, that was their livelihood back then. So wherever you work, you will be blessed. Your fruit, your baskets, your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. The Lord will wow. conquer your enemies when they attack you. And they will attack you from one direction. And they will scatter from you in Come seven on, directions. Isn't that awesome? The enemy the will blessing. scatter from us in seven directions, whatever our enemy is. It'll come at us one way, but you know what? We shouldn't be afraid of the enemy. We shouldn't be afraid of whatever comes against come us. We should be standing fast on the promises of God, standing fast on, on the blessings of God, standing fast on what God has already done and purchased for us and taken on himself and stand against those things, and they have to flee. And then it says the Lord will guarantee a blessing. See, these are the blessings of Abraham, and God guarantees these blessings for us. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouse with grain. The Lord God will bless you in the land he has given you. If you obey the commands of the Lord and walk in his ways, he will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. And that was under the law. But how many know we're not under the law? We're in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ, and God gave us a new law, a new command. Love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. That means he's first in our lives. That's right. That means he's first place in our lives. And then we love our neighbor as ourselves. And as we put God first, the outpouring of love for others will be on us. We can't love people in our own strength. In fact, Jesus said, without him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do all things. That's right. And we need to be in Christ. We need to worship him. We need to put him first in our lives. And as we do that, everything comes together. And that's what God's called us to do. But we don't have to work at that because he puts it in our heart to know him and to be with him. All we do is come to him. Just come to him. So often we're trying to make ourselves better. We're trying to make things happen. We're trying to become something. And he's saying, no, no, you don't have to do that. This is who you are. Just show up in my presence. Just show up with me. Just be where I am, and I will change you. I will fill you. I will show you. I will direct you. So often I see people that they have aspirations to be something or to do something, and they try to make it happen, and all they do is hinder it. They get in the way of God. One thing about God, he's not in a hurry. <laughs> I've learned that, you know, sometimes the hard way. You know, I've tried to do things in my own strength, and it doesn't work out i got to lay it down and trust him that he'll make things happen. And he's always been faithful to do that in my life. And, and you know what? God is able. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. But it all boils down to trusting him, surrendering things to him, just That's like right. we saw the skit where she didn't want right. to lay down her stuff. Sometimes we're comfortable with our stuff. We're afraid to let it go. We're afraid to surrender it. We're afraid because we don't trust him. That's what it really boils down to. That's why we need to have faith like Abraham had faith. Have faith 
in him. Have faith in his character. Have faith in his promises. Have faith in what his word says. Have faith and believe that what he says, he will do it. That's right. And he will give us all the things because we're in covenant with him. We belong to him. Jesus was forsaken as the son of God right. so that we could become the sons of God. He, was, he laid everything down. He took on our sickness so that we could have health. Right. He became poor so that we could be rich. He bestowed on us all things that we need to walk as overcomers and be to, to be victorious in our lives. And all we have to do is put him first. Number one. And everything else comes together. Amen? He does the work. He's done the work. <laughs> You know, let's all stand together. We're going to break bread together in a moment, have communion. And uh, the Scriptures teach us very, very clearly, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for greedy people is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. That's the way we used to be. But in the first service, I shared this here, and I sensed, as I'm sensing now, people watching by live stream, people that are here, there's some of the old things that were lurking inside. That means they're hidden inside, they're concealed inside, and they're waiting for an opportunity to show themselves, waiting for an opportunity to take you out, waiting for an opportunity to destroy you. But I'm just sensing that these are the things put to death, the sinful, earthly things lurking within you, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and don't be greedy. God says put off malicious behavior, the anger, the short fuse, the rage, the dirty language, the slander, and don't lie to one another, but put on the new nature. And if you slip back and it's gone on into some of the old ways of things that you knew that God had dealt with, I remember this, this morning, about 100 people all came up all over the stage over here just as Kim brought the bag with all the garbage and brought it, and there was an exchange. She, she let it go. And to me, there's just something of a point of contact. I remember watching Earl Roberts as a little Catholic boy many, many years ago, probably 50-some years ago. And I remember with all the stuff going on in my life, and he would say, now touch the TV set, touch the thing right now, and just make that point of contact right now. And I remember doing that as a little kid, just, just growing up, didn't understand God, wasn't born again, but I remember just stepping out and, and doing that and, and feeling something. God was ministering to me. And this morning, I, so all these people responded, and then I said, and I believe there's 30 more out there that you need to be down there. And Pastor Dave's there, and he heard and he says, okay, I'm just going to count. He said 30. And he saw about 25 come up immediately. And then he said, well, I know there's got to be more because he didn't say 20. He said 30. And then three came up. And he said, well, God, I know there's got to be more. And then the two came up, and it was exactly 30. Why am I saying all that today? Because sometimes we hold on to things just like the precious Nadine was up here. And she held on to things. She wanted to get rid of them. But she needed somebody just to nudge her, just somebody to be there so she could leave it and not go back to it again. Can you all say amen? 
So if you're there, and I don't care who you are, if you guys want to move this here, Kenny, if you can just move this out of the way, Kath and I, we're going to come down and we're going to break bread. If you don't have communion element, raise your hand. The ushers will be happy to get you one. But we're going to break bread. But if you say, you know what? That's hit me. There's couples, I believe, all over the room. There's even families that are here. There's young ones and old ones. And you need the great exchange today. You need to leave that stuff. You need to leave those things. And you've been waiting for God to do it, praying for God to do it. And God said, no, no, I've given you my grace, a divine empowerment, a divine enablement, a divine initiative for you to let it go, for you to break it off, for you to release it today, and not to pick it back up again. But put on the new man, created after God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the exchange. So if you're there today, I don't care who you are, I want you to just come on right down. Maybe you've never stepped out in faith, but come on down now and just get rid of that stuff wherever you're at. Get rid of it. You know who you are. You know that God's speaking to you. Just step out, and there's just a point of contact inside of your life that you're shifting off hell's work, and you're embracing the work of the cross. You're embracing the work of heaven. Make your way down wherever you're at. Just come on right up. Just come right up, guys, right up. Everybody just as far up as you can come, as close up as you can come. You just know that God's tugging on your heart. You know that God's speaking to your life right now. Listen, it's significant. There's something significant happening inside right now of hearts and lives as they're getting rid of, dumping off the baggage, dumping it off today. Kathy shared about the great exchange. I shared about the great exchange and substitution. Uh, Kim and, and Nadine acted it out. You can't get more clear of a product than that. Everybody, just, just make your way down. And if you need it, everybody reach your hands out right now towards every life that's up here. Begin to pray for them right now. Take a moment of time and pray for them right now. Join in faith with them right now that that baggage is going. They're putting it all off and a spirit of faith is rising up. Father God, for everyone responding, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is guiding them. The Holy Spirit is empowering them. The Holy Spirit has already been given inside of their life. Now God, lift the blinders. Lift the scales to all of the injuries.